It'll be great. <laughs> hey, in all seriousness, thank you dads for being here, and I've got the privilege of welcoming up our preacher for today, who happens to be my dad. Come on, give it up for Mark <laughs> Philip Zender. Philip, your middle name. Oh my goodness. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Steve. Uh, our, I don't think Peter or Didi or Terry uh, are in here from VBS. Am I correct about that? I don't think they are. They, I'll tell you, it was amazing this week. I, if you see any of them, just tell them thank you because uh, they were fantastic. It was awesome. So we are in the third week of a summer-long series called Kingdom Come. We're studying the book of Matthew, and uh, if you weren't with us, the first week I kind of described Matthew as one in a quadraphonic sound system that he, along with Mark and Luke and John, are just displaying and playing this beautiful opus, this masterpiece of the song of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and we are blessed to be able to spend this whole summer looking at the Gospel of Matthew. Today, we come to chapter 5 already, and this is part of what we uh, know as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at the very beginning part of that, uh, the first 12 verses, if you'd like to get a Bible out or your phone, or you can also follow along on the screens above. These are known as the Beatitudes uh, of Jesus, and uh, we're going to look at them now. So, chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when he, that is Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Uh, sitting down was the way they taught. We stand up, they sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you." Now, I don't know what happens inside of you when you hear these words. For me, I'm, I'm a little torn. And part of me is torn because I'm thinking, I don't know if I necessarily agree with this. Like, this is not the way the world works, right? Which is, in fact, why I've called this message today the upside-down kingdom. Because it doesn't make sense according to conventional wisdom, if you will. Because most people would not say that it's a good thing to be poor in any way. 
Conventional wisdom does not teach us that it's a good thing or a blessed thing to be mourning, to be uh, crying, to be weeping. And certainly there are few people, if any, who would say it's a blessing to be persecuted or insulted or lied about. And yet all of these things, Jesus says, when they happen, you are blessed. So what could he possibly mean? I think that looking at the Beatitudes of Jesus, we could take a 12-week sermon series just on these verses. So I want to just bring out one primary idea about the kingdom of heaven today and the fact that it is an upside-down kingdom. And this is what I'd like you to hear me say. That the kingdom of heaven is upside down, and especially what Jesus was getting at, is in the way that you look at time, in the perspective that you have about time. In the kingdoms of this world, one's perspective is on what's here and what's now. What we see, what we experience, what we feel, what we're going through here and now. That's the way the kingdoms of heaven, the kingdoms of the earth typically work. But in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is putting our focus on something that is yet out there. Here's the thing. If you believe that this is all there is to life, that when you get to the end of this life, that's it. There's nothing more. Then it would make sense to put all your time and all your focus on all the things that are here and now, right? But man, what if you're wrong? What a waste that would be. And we know this, do we not, that everything that we experience in the here and the now is only temporary. It's limited. It won't go on forever. So if you're basing your happiness, your blessedness, if you will, on the things that are here and now, there's going to be a limit to that. There's going to be a time frame for that, and it's going to run out. It's going to crumble one day. If you're basing your happiness in your world on, on beauty or good looks, <laughs> there's going to come a day when you're going to look in the mirror and you're going you're to go, well, not anymore. If you're basing your happiness and your world on the things that are here and now in the terms of power, and I don't even mean power in a bad way. I just mean power even in a good way, influence and and how we go through these seasons of life where we have the capacity to really help and change people. We have like kind of the power, if you will, to do that. There comes a time when you don't have that anymore. And then if you're basing it on riches, on the comfort of material things, that too we know is, is going to run out at some point. To this day still, you have not seen, have you, a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse. Somebody actually sent me a picture of one after this last service trying to prove me wrong, but I think it was all fake. It's to say, look, you can't take it with you, right? So maybe one way that we can look and understand these Beatitudes and the upside-down kingdom that Jesus is teaching is that we would understand that this isn't U-Haul thinking this is long-haul thinking. This is a perspective that looks 
that the big things in life are the things that are going to last forever, the things that are going to be unlimited, the things that are going to be eternal. And what Jesus promises us for that is beyond what words can even say. You'll notice that many of these Beatitudes is even couched in this language of the future. Again, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn for they what? Will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Yes, all these things are true. That doesn't mean that we don't have these blessings now because we do. But there is something about that day that's coming when all these things we're going to have an abundance of, we'll have them permanently, and we'll have them in an unlimited, eternal sort of way. So last year, for Father's Day, my family pitched in, and they bought me a Traeger smoker. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Wow, that was very exciting. Was that a woman that said that made that? that? Uh, So I had to actually pitch in because it's not cheap. But oh my goodness, the product that you get from this thing is amazing. So if you haven't figured out what to get your dad for Father's Day yet this afternoon, just run out and buy buy him a smoker because it's incredible. But I didn't know when I got this Traeger smoker that I was joining a club. I had no idea. You know, sometimes you can get into a club that you don't know that you're in. You never knew that it existed before, and now all of a sudden you're in it. My wife and I uh, went to our first church in Arkansas, right out of the seminary. I discovered that I was in a club that I didn't know, I didn't know, even know it existed. And I found out about it one morning, Sunday morning, when one of the elders came to me, and, and uh, he said, you know, Pastor Zender, uh, we just thought you'd need to know that Mrs. So-and-so is not happy with the new pastor. And I said, well, what did I, what did I do? He said, well, it's, it's not what you did. It's what you didn't do. I said, well, what did I not do? And he said, she was driving down Highway 79 the other day, and you were going the other way, and you didn't wave. <laughs> I had no idea that that was the club that I was now in, that when you left Ulm, Arkansas and you drove to Stuttgart on Highway 79, that everybody that passed you, it didn't matter whether you knew them or not, you waved. But there was a way that you waved. You didn't go like this. You just had your hand on the steering wheel and you went. That was it. And apparently I missed doing that with Mrs. So-and-so. And I was not a good pastor. It was a club that I was in that I didn't know. So with the Traeger. I, I'm telling you, after I got the, my, my smoker, I got in a text stream with eight pastors from around the country. Two of them happened to be sitting over there on the front row right there. And I couldn't believe it. Like on a Saturday or Sunday, or especially the holidays, it was nothing that there'd be three or 400 texts on that, on that text stream that day. People talk, all the guys talking about, what are you smoking tomorrow? And then you gotta send pictures. Yeah, send pictures before. You send pictures like when you're coming back from the grocery store with the package. Then you, then you take a picture when you're preparing it. And when you put it on the grill, and when you take it off, and then you take a picture when everybody's eating it. It's just you share everything. All the information about it, like how, like some guys, they have to, they have to just 
You have to tell them. How many times have we told so-and-so how often you put, you know, how like what temperature you put the meat in for? It's like you can do all kinds of spectacular things on a smoker. Well, the pork butts are great. Ribs are great. But the granddaddy of all meats to smoke is the brisket. And so my first attempt at brisket, I'm getting all the collective knowledge of all these experts on my Traeger thread. But before I did that, I just took the brisket out of the package and I looked at it. I'd never seen a brisket that wasn't already cooked. And I'm looking at it. Oh, that's what it looks like. And I just deduced that what I'm going to need to do now is put that brisket on the grill with the fat on the, on the top of the, on the, on the top. And my thinking was, well, the fat's just going to drip right down into the meat. It's going to be juicy and succulent and all those kinds of things. But I found out from all the experts, and I don't have time to go into this to bore you anymore about brisket, but I learned you don't do that. You turn it upside down. And you cook it with the meat on the bottom. And the other thing, you better not do this wrong. you got to go low and slow. You put that temperature on a very low temperature, and then you cook it for hours. And you got to be patient. You can't hurry this thing up. You even need to know about this thing called a stall that happens with this meat, where suddenly it's not cooking anymore. You just got to wait through that. You can't be impatient. That first brisket I cooked, I think it was on the smoker for 10 to 12 hours. Then I took it off, wrapped it in a towel, put it in a cooler for four more hours. We could have eaten it before, but it would not have been ready. You got to go low and slow. And you got to flip it upside down. What does this have to do with the kingdom? Everything. <laughs> it's upside down. It's against conventional wisdom. You, you just don't, it doesn't make sense on the surface. And we have to be patient, and we have to wait, and we have to have a long-haul perspective instead of a U-haul attitude. The kingdom of heaven Jesus invites us into is so different than the world that we understand. So Jesus invited his disciples, even as he invites us, into this kingdom where the focus is on what's coming and the permanent, unlimited, beautiful way that God is going to bless us. And when he called those first disciples, he blew their minds. He expanded their thinking way beyond what it ever had been. I think God wants to do the same thing with us. When he called those first disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he called them out of a life where all they looked at was we're just going to catch fish. That's, what, that's why we live, to catch fish and feed our families and provide for everybody. And what did Jesus say? I'm going to not have you fish for fish anymore. You come and follow me, and you're going to catch people. And look what's happened. 2,000 years later, 2,000 years after those guys pulled tilapia out of the Sea of Galilee, there are now two billion people that are calling on the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. The kind of impact that disciples of Jesus can have if they have a long-haul perspective and they see the big picture. One author that I was reading said this. He said, 
Jesus, that Jesus invites us to an upside-down kingdom is that he invites us to prize what the world sees as pitiable. That we prize what the world sees as pitiable. But wait a minute. We prize weakness? We prize sacrifice? We prize being persecuted? And the answer is yes. But we need to understand what it means to prize these things. It doesn't mean that we seek them. It doesn't mean that Jesus said, you should, you should go after all the things that make you miserable and unhappy. No. It just means that when they happen, we see their value. We see what God will do when we go through these situations where life is hard for us. We see the value of it. We see the purpose of it. When something that grieves us comes along, we don't say, oh my goodness, my life is over. We say, Lord Jesus, this hurts like crazy. Help me see what you want me to see. Make me the person that you want me to be. When you are insulted by people in this world, what would the kingdom of this world have you do? Well, insult back. Fight back. You know, get back. Get even. In the kingdom of heaven, (laughs) it's so upside down. What does Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. If you want to be the greatest, what does Jesus say? Become the servant. You want to be first? Become last. And Jesus demonstrates this for us with his life. Jesus, who humbled himself and took the lowest of all places and humbled himself even to the point of death where he died for us, that we might be saved. So, I'm going to ask you this as we prepare to close this morning. Where do you think it might be that Jesus is calling and challenging you to live in this upside-down kingdom? Knowing that I would be asking you that question, I've been asking myself that question this week. And Jesus has once again reminded of me how intoxicating it is for me to focus on my success. I gave up a long time ago on the good looks and and rich part of things. But my particular struggle almost my lifelong struggle, I would say, is that I have gotten so much more caught up in doing for Jesus than being with him. There are times when I think I've honestly thought, I think the kingdom is more up to me than it is even to Jesus. Now that sounds ridiculous, and I would never like say that or think that, but unwittingly, subconsciously, there are times when I have thought that my value and worth as a person were determined by how successful I was or how unsuccessful I was would diminish my value or my worth. And that is not the message of a kingdom, upside-down kingdom. Jesus says your value and your worth is not in what you do, but in who you are. And to remember that is to live 
in an upside-down kingdom. So I don't know where, where you might be caught, where you might be struggling, where you might have a little bit of U-Haul thinking, where you're looking at the things that are going on in your world right now, and you're all tied up, your stomach's tied up in knots because you're worried or anxious about something right now. What if God were to say to you, why don't you take the long-haul view on this and think a little bit upside-down kingdom? What I love about Jesus is that he is a relentless forgiver. He is relentless in his love for for you and for me. And in fact, if you were with us last Sunday, when Jesus inaugurated the kingdom conversation, when he was first on the scene, the first word that Jesus said was repent, which means turn around from where you're going and turn back to me. And Jesus is always there. And he will never turn his back on you. He has you now, and he will always have you. So would you close with me as we, or would you stand with me as we close? I'm about to say something that I've said three weeks in a row. We'll see if any of you that have been here for the first two have have, uh, entered this into your memory. The greatest thing about this kingdom is the king. The greatest thing about the kingdom of heaven is the king, who he is. Because you and I are not his subjects. We are his friends. This king didn't send his people out to the front line to give their lives to protect him as all kings and all other earthly kingdoms would do. This king went out onto the front line and died for you. And there's been a song that we've been singing lately, and this song so impacted me this week. I just want to read a couple of verses from it, then we're going to sing it. The writer says, Should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. And should I ever need reminding what power set me free? There's a grave that holds no body, and now that power lives in me. And should I ever need reminding, God, how good you've been to me. I'll count the joy come every battle, because I know that's where you'll be. Jesus, thank you for always being there for us, with us. Thank you for fighting the battle, the greatest battle. Thank you for defeating every enemy, sin, the devil, death itself with your triumphant resurrection from the grave on the third day. Thank you for being there for us in our everyday battle. And Lord, give us a long haul perspective that the blessings that we are enjoying even now as your children and your disciples We look forward to that day, the consummation of all the age, when you will renew all things and make everything right. We will see you face to face. God, then we will so, so be experiencing your kingdom. We look forward to that and we long for that now, Jesus. Give us that perspective.